Anyway, how are you? Today we got a, tonight we got a kind of a different quarantine hotline. We had another a guest, and I'm afraid our guest wasn't feeling very well, so we decided to to do it anyway. And uh, and uh, so I'm gonna talk about something a bit different today. I want to talk about um, some Latin American novels, which I think are my favorite ten Latin American novels, short novels. And the reason I choose short, I mean, you need to, with these kind of things, you need to put some kind of uh, of uh, limitations. Otherwise, it's impossible to to to, put, to 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 provide a list. Yeah. So, well, before we go into that, I want to talk a bit briefly about, you know, you missed it now because I couldn't do the music at the beginning because Periscope collapsed, but I will do it again. I'm going to put it in the end and, and in the track when we put it on the magazine. In these uh, past few weeks, months actually, I've been using music from this uh, collective from Rosario, Argentina, which is called um, Planeta X, yeah? or, or um, well, it's a collective of uh, music, art, the, the many things I've been doing for years since the 90s. And, uh, I mean, this are re- I mean, it's a really interesting group, and I was never part of this group, but I've been always very close to some of them. They're friends of mine. We go back a long time together. I mean, in the '90s, if you think about how Argentina used to be, it was a kind of desert of misery. We could say, no, nothing happened, uh, even though we we were connecting to the world in a way that there wasn't many interesting things going on. So, and Planeta X is this collective always been out there doing amazing things from books, fanzines. They're, they have uh, 120 albums and they all work as a kind of collective community-based uh, group of people, you know, with a kind of uh, non-marketing, non yeah, beyond the market logic, let's say. They, they are more motivated by doing things together and doing those things to share for free with people. And this week, I mean, it's been a, a great pleasure to learn that they have edited a new um, a new collection of, uh, yeah, a compilation of music, which is available in many, many platforms where you can access from their website, which is www.planetax.org.au ar for argentina yeah so www.planetax.org.ar and uh and you can listen to the music uh, i was trying to play but i will play at the end and like i said i will add at the beginning and at the end of the podcast once if we can call this a podcast one i i love this to the magazine so i was supposed to talk to someone today the person is unwell so i decided still you know go on and do something because apparently some people are listening to this, which is quite unusual uh, that people are actually listening to this. Not only that, some people actually even manage to get angry with me because apparently I talk too much. But you know, well, you don't need to listen. Don't fear force, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, ten short novels. So well, there are many things to consider when you do a list. You know, as always, you need to consider what's included. Yeah, and what's absent? There will be absence in this list. This is my list. These are my favorite ten short novels. And the reason I chose short novels is, uh, well, I, 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 if you've been listening to this uh, series, I'm more interested in the shorter forms, and I think. Um, but also, 
in my defense, the reason for that is that it's not so important in Latin America. You know, page counts doesn't seem to be such an obsession uh, from critics, writers, or publishers. You know, some of the best short uh, novels, sorry, some of the best novels are short, you know, so there is a, a reason for this as well, for me to choose short novels. Yes, it will be full of Argentinian writers. Yeah, I'm Argentinian. I grew up reading Argentinian literature. I continue to read as my area of speciality. So yeah, well, another person from different parts of Latin America would provide a completely different list. Uh, also, I'm not that familiar with Chicano literature, with what happens in the USA. Of course, that's for me, it's Latin American literature as well. But uh, these are novels that generally I read in the original language before I read in English which brings to the other limit that I have to choose this list. I chose, I chose uh, novels which are available in translation, yeah? Uh, because if I had to produce a list of my favorite books would be that are not translated, it would be different, okay? Uh, it would be a different list, but I want, I want to make these uh, novels, bring them to your radar if you don't know them. May, I mean, some of these are quite famous, some, some not so much. One, there are many big names will be missing from this list. Uh, many, uh, because they didn't write novel. Yeah, for example, Borges. I talked about this before. He never wrote a novel. He did a collaborative novel with Adolfo de Casares, like a detective novel, a couple of novels I can remember now. But it's not work, uh, own work signed under his name. signed under another name, which is uh, Augusto, do, I can remember, Bustos Domecq. That's the right. I didn't add uh, Julio Cortázar who is one of my first writers for the reason that I think his best work are his short stories. Okay, this is a matter of taste. I didn't add Garcia Marquez because I think the same. I'm not a fan of uh, his uh, novels either. So yeah, that, if you have any problem, I'm sorry, but that's it's my list and I do what I want. So anyway, so 10 novels I think you should really check out which are available in translation. I arranged them in a chronological order, and I will start with, with one of my first books in any language, which is El Juguete Rabioso, or in English, The Mad Toy. Uh, this book is by Roberto Art, who is a writer from Argentina, and this is a novel from 1926. I think it's available only one translation uh, by Esperos Press, by a translator called James Womack, yeah? I don't know if there is any other translation in English, but this one I read and it's really, really good. It's from the translation is from around 2013. And this um, is a very interesting and very gritty and, 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 uh, and dark short novel about, it's like a kind of failed dark builders roman, you know? It's like a kind of a tale of, uh, of growing up of this uh, boy character called Sylvia Steer, who comes from a really like poor background. And he's, uh, in, uh, in mix in the in the kind of immigrant Buenos Aires of the 19 early 1920s if I remember right I mean it's a fascinating uh, artist a fascinating writer is this is a his first novel and and, uh, and I think you should really check it I mean if you don't know much about Roberto Art he's also famous for another um, two novels which are connected one is called Los Siete Locos the Seven Madmen and Los Lanzallamas which is a sequel to Los Siete Locos and it's, uh, The Flamethrowers. Those are much longer novels and I think I, I, I prefer 
el juguete rabioso. It's very intense, very, very condensed, and, and it shows a side of Buenos Aires that people don't tend to connect to in literature, you know, because we tend to idealize Buenos Aires as a very European and, and, uh, and elegant capital, but there's also this mystery, this, this, uh, this uh, other aspect that, 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 that I think that um, art captures very well. So do check that one out. Second, and, and like I said, all chronological order, this is not a ranking, yeah? This is chronological order. My second favorite short, shortish novel is Macunaima by Mario de Andrade, who is a Brazilian writer. And this was published in 1928. Um, I am aware of only one translation by this one. It's not that easy to get, but if you know how to search on the internet, you can find it. I'm not gonna tell you to uh, do any crimes, but you can find it. And this translation is by a guy called E. A. Goodland, and from 1985, published by Quartet. Uh, I mean, the story is fascinating. It's, uh, it's probably the, fun, the foundation of Brazilian modernism, and it follows this. He, the hero actually is referred to in the novel Macunaima, uh, who is a man born in a Brazilian jungle and, uh, and, uh, and has like, these really strange powers, you know? And, uh, and he, it's all the, all the trip as he goes to Sao Paulo and then he returns to the to the jungle, if I remember rightly. For many people, and for me included, this is like a kind of a foundational myth of, uh, of Brazil as a nation, yeah? And, uh, and I, one, I, it's, it's really funny, it's really imaginative and, and fantastic. And, uh, and one reason I chose this novel also, because it's a really good antidote to the disease called magical realism, that is this uh, thing that we, I could talk about this in another occasion. I mean, I got an article coming not uh, in a few months for an American magazine about magical realism. You know, uh, people don't necessarily know what they, what they mean when they talk about magical realism. But this book predates a lot. Uh, the, the other books are generally associated with uh, magical realism and in a way proves the theory that I have that is a fantasy. The fantastica is a central uh, element of Latin American literature f from a long, long time ago. No, it's not invention from the 50s or 60s by, by the Latin American boom, okay? But that's another story. Check out uh, Macunaima by Mario Andrade. It's really funny, really, really imaginative, and it, it's worth having a go at it. Third, <clears throat> probably another one of my favorite books in any language is La Invención de Morel, The Invention of Morel. In, in English, is by uh, Argentinian Adolfo Vive Casares, and this book um, has been, uh, it was published originally in 1940, and the translation I read, I haven't checked the date, but it's from New York uh, NYRB Classics by a translator called Ruth L.C. Sims. I mean, this is an amazing book, you know, it's probably 100, 120 pages long, I don't think it's longer than that, and it's I've seen it class as uh, literary fiction. I've seen it class as science fiction. I've seen it class as uh, uh, fantasy. Uh, a very confused theory from the 1950s says it's one of the origins of magical realism. But again, I don't want to go there. Uh, but this tells the story of a fugitive who we don't know what he's running away from. He hides in an island somewhere. 
it's unclear. Some may say it's in Polynesia, other ones they say it's of India. Uh, this guy is hiding in this island and a lot of things really weird start happening. And uh, I mean, I, anything I might say, I, I risk spoiling your, 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 your reading, but it's uh, the things that appear, let's say the things, the things that appear to be supernatural, supernatural are soon explained by science, okay? The, the things that happen make sense after a while, but you probably spend three quarters of the book really confused sometimes, not knowing what's going on. Uh, this book, interestingly, inspired Alain uh, Rob Guillet uh, last year in Marienbad. And uh, I mean, it's not something, <laughs> I don't think he was very open about this, but he did mention it, at least in an interview, that he had been inspired at least by reading the invention of Morel. Um, then you have an interpretation of uh, last year in Marenbad, in last year in Marenbad of La Invención de Morel. Let's, let me give you one more hint, and I don't, I'm not going to say anymore because I don't want to spoil it. It deals with images, with the power of images and, and the obsession with images. And if I say anything else, I'm going to ruin it. So just get it. It's very short. And let yourself... Uh, be confused for for a long time yeah just <laughs> go with it and then things will make sense okay so fourth personas in la sala or people in the room this is by nora lange uh, from argentina as well and originally published in 1950 uh, recently I think in 2018 or 2019, probably 2018, was published by Another Stories in a translation by Charlotte uh, Whittle. It's the first translation into English of this amazing book. And, uh, and Nora Lange was, uh, is a very interesting writer. She's got a few other books which are, they haven't been translated, but I understand that they are being in the process of they are in the process of being translated. So, what is interesting about personas en la sala? Well, you never know what's going on either. Here, it's a it's a, this story narrated from the point of view of a teenager of a of a girl. We don't know exact age, but we can probably assume she's a, probably 15, 16, 17, um, and she falls obsessed with a three sisters living across the road and uh, she observes them from her window and then she starts following them around and it's always like uh, looking from the window and talking about them uh, to the point that you you don't know anymore what's going to happen something I mean it's quite uh, there is a quite uh, ominous feeling throughout that, that something wrong might happen and they talk about death and she talks about killing them and, and or them dying and uh them dying, sorry, not killing them. And uh, it's obsessive. And you don't know really, if even at some point, if the sisters exist, you know? This novel was, was uh, inspired by a painting of the Bronte sisters. There is this famous painting of the Bronte sisters that was done by the brother of the three sisters who then erased himself from the painting. And you can see, if you Google, Bronte sisters painting, you will see that he there is like a ghost in the middle of the painting, a pentimento that is called when there is an erasure in the in the painting. You can see the painter who has erased himself, and I think there is something about this in the novel. This uh, 
process of of like you know like what could be called ekphrasis, writing like about art. You know, you don't know if she if the author through the narrator is telling a story or if the author to the narrator is actually describing this picture and fantasizing and riffing over this picture. So check out Personas en la Sala by Nora Lange, yeah, from Argentina. So fifth, we go to probably one of the most important, if not the most important book to come out from Mexico, uh, which is Pedro Paramo by Juan Rulfo. And this is a novel from 1955. It has been translated several times. And I read the translation of Margaret Sayers' Pedro that's been published by Serpent's Tales Classics. I don't uh, remember exactly the date, but it's a quite recent translation. It works very well, and it he, and he, and he, and he does a really good work in capturing uh, uh, Rulfo's amazing prose. He's such a, such a bereft writer. You know, there isn't a single, a single uh, extra adjective there. If you think you know that, you know the cliche about Hemingway, writing a dry prose, well, he sounds like Laura Esquivel compared to Pedro, uh, to Juan Rulfo. And it's a very, very arid prose. And what is this book about? Well, this book is about um, this man called Juan Preciado, who travels after the death of his mother. He travels uh, back to his mother's birthplace, which is called Comala, supposedly a kind of stand-in for Colima, which is where uh, the, the, the writer Juan Rulfo was born. And, and really, it's it's a really interesting story. I have a, my American editor, John Mark Antoni, says this is a horror story. <laughs> Maybe it is, because, you know, when he arrives in the hometown, he starts to realize that it, this is literally a ghost town, yeah? In a not metaphorical way, in a complete literal way. And there are, of course, many, many kind of terms uh, in the narrative, in the plot of the book that I won't tell you, so not to spoil it, but uh, the, the most interesting thing from this, in this book for me is it's got a really, 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 really uh, challenging structure. Very, very fragmented, jumps back and forth. The characters change 400 times. You know, it's in a sh very short book. You get very confused at some moments, you know, about what's going on. But there is this, uh, some critic calls it, I can't remember who says this, delayed uh, understanding you know so uh, if you continue to read this fragmentation this uh, choppy structure starts to make sense and you suddenly realize what's going on and what's going on is not pretty it's very 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 uh, very strange harrowing and horrific and uh, you really i mean check out this book not only because of the amazing book it is but also how i think it captures um the kind of reality of rural Mexico, you know, in, in some areas of, of extreme poverty and, and the weather and the sun and the desert. It's an amazing book. Pedro Paramo by Juan Rulfo. Now we go to 1969, which is an amazing novel by Manuel Puig from Argentina, and it's called El Beso de la Mujer Araña or Kiss of the Spider Woman. Uh, I read the translation from Thomas Colchi that's been published by Arena Books. I don't know if there is any other uh, translation, probably there might be. Uh, this is uh, an amazing feat for 1969 because it's actually a story of, it's a queer story, you know? Uh, 
It depicts, it narrates the daily conversations of two men who are in a prison. One is a, a political prisoner, the other one is a gay, uh, homosexual, I would say at the time, who's been put there probably under the excuse of being a, um, a pedophile. No, it's not really, apparently he's not. And uh, they start to share they're bored, you know. So what happens is that the 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 gay man who is called um, Molina starts telling films to Valentin, who is uh, the political prisoner. And uh, I mean, it's an amazing as a writer. I think it's a great ruse what uh, what uh, Manuel Puig did here because he's actually telling films. You know, some are real and he changes them a little bit. Some are imagined, but one, the effect of that is amazing because you're bringing this intertextuality into a novel that actually makes a novel much, much more than a novel, you know? You are establishing a dialogue with so many other possible stories and real films and imagined films and so on, but also this is a, such a clever way of filling pages of a, of a manuscript, you know? If you, if you publisher any ever says to you, you have to fill in, so, so you start telling a film like Manuel Puig did. I don't think he did it for that reason, you know, but it's a really cunning kind of thing to do. And um, and there is a really good film uh, from the 80s with uh, Raul Julia and William Hurt. Uh, and you should check that film out also because it works really well. It's not, it's not easy to adapt these kind of books, you know, but it does work. Check it out, read the book first, yeah? El Beso de la Mujer Araña. Now, we go to Brazil, to 1976, Clarice Lispector, who needs no introduction, everyone knows Clarice Lispector, and this is called The Hour of the Star, or in Portuguese, Ahora de Estrella, which is um, her last novel. She wrote it in 1976. I think it was published uh, a year after she died. Uh, and this, I read the translation by Benjamin Moser from Penguin Modern Classics. Uh, I mean, this is a very short novel. I think it's under 100 pages. And it's a book that tells the story of this woman from the Northeast, which is generally the part that is the poorest of Brazil, who comes to Rio. Her name is uh, Macabea. But there is something very interesting going on here, because this is a book about writing. And what Clarice Lispector does is she takes the voice of a male narrator who is also a writer and who is reflecting live what it means to write about the story of this woman. So she is assuming a different genre and, and creates this really arrogant character, which I can't remember the whole name of the character, but it's Rodrigo something, <laughs> and who basically is reflecting on what it means to write the story of Maccabea, you know, and it's very quite nasty, but also very sincere. And I think this is a book for me as a writer is very interesting because it captures very well the difficulties of literature and literature being a bourgeois kind of activity, mostly when it comes to capturing, you know, class and poverty, how, how it always sounds and comes across as a bit condescending or ignorant. And I think, uh, uh, Spectrum achieves that very well. It's a very, very interesting book in this. In the story, it's interesting, but this meta-fictional layer of the book is, I think, is much more interesting than the book in itself. So that was the hour of the star. Now, we go to Chile, 
2001, I think. I probably got the dates wrong. I don't know. Anyway, Chile in the early 2000. Pedro Lemebel. And this is a book called, in Spanish, Tengo Miedo Matador, or My Tender Matador, in English, in the translation by Catherine Silver, published by Grove Press. And this is, I mean, if you don't know Lemebel, please read this book because it's a very, it's probably one of the most interesting Latin American writers from the last, you know, 20 years uh, when he became famous, although he's been working for long. And um, to tell you all a little bit, he was a, a kind of a queer activist, a drag queen, you know, in that what they used to call themselves travestis, you know, uh, drag. And um, he was very politically active, communist, mestizo, you know, it's a he got everything to disappear in Chile, in the Pinochet Chile, you know, so he's a very, very interesting uh, guy. And this story uh, is centered, it takes place in 1986, based in the real attempt that was in 1986 to kill Pinochet. Uh, sadly, it didn't succeed, the attempt, but they tried. And um, so this story narrates um, the life of, uh, of, uh, of, um, of an old, queer uh, man travestied sometimes in a drug uh, homosexual who um, is called La Loca del Frente, which means the mad woman from across the road, yeah? La Loca del Frente, who meets this young, supposedly heterosexual man who we don't know very well what he's doing, uh, but we can we start to see that he might be involved in the attempt to kill Pinochet. And also he's uh, using La Loca del Frente's house to uh, to store uh, things. He says they're books, but we don't know what those things are. And through this uh, encounter, I mean, Lemuel creates like, a fascinating portrayal of the 1980s of Pinochet, but also in kind of, uh, of, of uh, you know, in queer uh, story in, in Latin America at the time that these things weren't that visibilized, you know, at least not necessarily in a kind of mainstream way. So it's interesting that this is one of the most popular Chilean books in, in translation, I think, you know. I mean, yeah, Bolaño, whatever, yeah, but Riddle is more interesting than Bolaño, trust me. Uh, well, we go back to Argentina for the last two, and um, 2012, an Argentinian writer from La Plata called Martin Felipe Castañet. And this is a really short science fiction. We could call a book called Los Cuerpos del Verano, Bodies of Summer. It's been published by Dalky Press Archive and trans in a translation by Francis Riddle, who you probably know she has published uh, translations from quite a few uh, Latin American contemporary writers. I can't remember now who exactly, but probably uh, who else. Not uh, Samantha Sherlin, the other one. Marina Enriquez, I think she also translated. Anyway, check her out. She's an amazing translator and she captures the book very well. And this is a very interesting book uh, because it talks about, speculates, you know, what would happen if at the end of your life you didn't die, but your soul was put on the cloud, on the internet, and you could then be burned into another body, yeah, which is a quite interesting story idea it could be actually quite terrific as well as the book <laughs> shows very well but you know through this basic science fiction idea the book starts to to question uh, a lot of things about race gender uh, sex 
And interesting enough for Argentinian book about class, because actually you can get, you can live forever, but the kind of body you will get depends on the money your family has. So it's a quite interesting uh, thing going on here. And uh, the character is called, uh, the main character is called Ramiro, but then he calls Rama because he's burned into a woman's body and so on. I mean, there are many things going on. Some are quite, I think, intentionally problematic in order to make you think what happens, you know, with race in Argentina and how uh, black people might be considered, you know, because uh, it's not so common, or at least it wasn't 10 years ago to, to talk about race in Latin American, in Argentinian literature at least. Um, so yeah, The Bodies of Summer by Martin Felipe Castañet. Also, I think it's available everywhere. This book, you can get it quite easily. And final one, a really another really short novel from Argentina by Samantha Schrebling, who you probably know very well. She's uh, probably one of the up and coming names in Latin Argentina, Latin American literature now. And this one is called Distancia de Rescate in Spanish, Fever Dream in English. And, um, it's from 2014, the, the Argentinian one. is being published in a translation by Ruth Sepp uh, by a press called Riverhead Books. Uh, and I mean, this is a proper horror story, okay? And um, it's very confusing. You don't know what's going on for quite a long time in the book until things start to make uh, become clear. And it's this woman called Amanda who wakes up somewhere in the hospital and starts talking with a young boy who is uh, sitting next to a bed. And this boy is all the time trying to get this woman to remember what happened before she ended up in hospital. I mean, it sounds silly, but believe me, it creates a really, really terrifying, harrowing effect yeah, through this uh, repetition of the guy telling her, Tell him. And so before that, what happened? And before that, what happened? No, that's not what happened. He's like, trying to make her remember all the time. And it's very confusing. And, and I think the the name in Spanish is really good because it's referenced in the book, you know, Rescue Distance. She, the main uh, character, talks about the relationship she has with her daughter and always following the daughter from this rescue distance. Yeah, that's related to the narrative. Something happens to the daughter, you know. So, and that rescue distance fails. But also, Fever Dream. I think it's probably a better name in the sense that it captures. Uh, the feeling of what's going on and this confusing situation where we don't know if the woman is dreaming, is awake, what, what is going on. So those are 10 books. I will repeat them now. I can put the links, uh, the names uh, when I do the write-up. We got Juguete Rabioso de Matt Toy by Roberto Art, Macunaima by Mario Andrade, La Invención de Morel, The Invention of Morel by Adolfo Bioy Casares, People in the Room by Nora Lange, Pedro Paramo by Juan Rulfo, The Kiss of the Spider Woman by Manuel Puig, The Hour of the Star by Clarice Lispector, Tengo Miedo Matador, or My Tender Matador, Tengo Miedo Torero, sorry, or My Tender Matador uh, by Pedro Lemebel, Los Cuerpos de Verano, Bodies of Summer by Martín Felipe Castañeda, and Fever Dream by Samantha Schweble. Those are 10 books I recommend. I think that everyone can find something in this book. Now, you know, doing this list is very hard because, you know, there's so many other books I love. Some, uh, for example, Luna India, which is probably the book, one of the books that moved me to write. It's by an Argentinian writer called Belen Gache. It's from 1994. It's not translated into English, you know. Uh, there is a 
fascinating book called Malvinas Requiem by, by an Argentine writer called Fogwill that I would have put in this list, but it's almost impossible to find. I think it's out of print. Hopefully one day they will republish it. You could say, why I didn't put any Alejo Carpentier? Yeah, I could have put El Siglo de las Luces, El Reino de Este Mundo. You know, Alejo Carpentier is probably the most important Cuban writer. Yeah, I do agree. It's an amazing writer, but it's, I don't like the kind of style of uh, neo-barroco or Lo Real Maravilloso, he calls. You know, it's a, I wanted to avoid going that direction and provide a list of books which are somehow working in different areas of Latin American literature. Yeah, a bit of fantasy, but also let's move away from that. Uh, things that so generally end up being called magical realism. That was a bit the reason why I didn't want to put Alejo Carpentier there. And um, anyway, I would like to know which ones are your favorite books. You can reply to this. You will, I will leave this on Twitter so you can reply to that. And I will leave you with some music now that I tried to play at the beginning and I couldn't. This is BLK09, BLK09 in Spanish by Blumke. This is available from the Planeta X um, compilation, which is on, on planetax.org.ar. And you can get it for free because everything they do is done in the spirit of sharing. Of uh, and This is Creative Commons, so for that reason, we are using it here. And hopefully you will listen to it too. See you next one. Night.